from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. Today, we'll be taking a closer look at the Jewish High Holidays. If you've listened to my podcast in the previous years, you know that we start off the Jewish year usually in or around September or the beginning of October with a series of holidays in close succession known as the High Holy Days. The first holiday we start with this year and every year is Rosh Hashanah, which means the head of the year, and it's the Jewish New Year followed by Yom Kippur, which means the Day of Atonement. One of the main rituals associated with the High Holy Days is the sounding of a ritual trumpet. We read in Numbers 29.1, On the first day of the seventh month, hold a sacred assembly and do not do regular work. It's a day for you to sound the trumpets. In the original Hebrew, we see that the word trumpets is not just any trumpet, but a shofar, a curved horn made from a kosher animal, usually a ram's horn. One can use any kosher animal except a cow because of the sin of the golden calf, although the most traditional choice is a ram's horn. While this verse that we just read from Numbers refers to Rosh Hashanah, we also blow the trumpet shofar on Yom Kippur. And every morning in the month leading up to Rosh Hashanah as a way of getting us ready emotionally and spiritually for the new year. On the podcast today, we will explore why we use a shofar to prepare ourselves for the new year and how its many sounds are a call to improve ourselves, a call to repent, and a turning to God of our hearts during these holy days. The sound of the shofar is so important that it was sounded at Mount Sinai. It was blasted as the children of Israel entered the land of Israel, and it set out to capture Jericho. It was used in the temple services, and it will be used to herald in the final judgment day. For me, the blasts of the shofar are the sounds of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, just as those shofar blasts have been sounded thousands of years. Join me today as we learn the symbolism and messages of the shofar and how its sounds should be reverberating in our heart, in our soul, and in our daily lives. If you didn't hear the previous podcast talking about the High Holy Days, I suggest that you give that a listen. We'll link it in the notes. My favorite place to spend the month leading up to Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, is in a neighborhood in central Jerusalem called Nachlaot. The neighborhood is tightly packed with narrow stone streets and a synagogue every 20 yards or so. Every morning after morning prayer services, all of the synagogues blow the shofar to remind everyone in Jerusalem and in the world that God is our king, that we need fixing, and we must all wake up spiritually. 
The buildings are so close together and there are so many synagogues that in some streets you can spread out your arms and almost touch two synagogues, one on each side of the street. Because every synagogue finishes their services a few minutes faster or slower than another, you can hear the shofar being blown in the morning every few minutes. The orchestra of long and short blasts echoing off the close stone walls and narrow alleyways is something that you can feel tangibly in the air. And I feel the cry of the shofar down to my soul when I walk through these streets of Jerusalem. The blasts reaching the deepest part of my being. This symphony of sounds is a prelude to the shofar blowing that will take place on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and are made up of combinations of three different types of blasts. Each one has a specific purpose to help us prepare ourselves for the upcoming holidays. The blast of the shofar is the language of our soul. Each type of these three brilliant blasts are different lengths and have a Hebrew name, which is meant to reflect its true purpose. These names give us our first clue as to what we should learn from that specific shofar blast. The first type is called tekiah, which means a strike in biblical Hebrew and is one long blow of the horn. This type of blow is often called the heralding blast, and it is used for royalty and during a coronation. For example, a tekiah, the long blast of the shofar, would be blown to herald the entrance of a king or queen into a court. This blast symbolizes a recognition of God as our one true king. The second type is shvarim. This word means broken. It is made up of three short blasts and literally sounds like crying. It represents our brokenness and how we must cry out to the Lord to help us fix ourselves. And the last and third blast type is called truah. And it is nine short blasts blown in rapid succession. And this word means warning. It's meant to wake us up to what we have to accomplish. It's also called God's alarm clock for our soul. So what is the deeper meaning of these three shofar blasts? I'd like to start by listening to the sound of the first type, a tekiah. I don't know about you, but hearing that sound makes my heart beat faster with anticipation. It's no wonder that this very blast is the one that was used to announce a king in biblical days. And according to Jewish tradition, it will also be used to proclaim the final judgment day in messianic times. By starting with the blast that heralds and announces the coronation of a king, we are starting off our services by declaring to ourselves and everyone around us that the Lord is our king. Hashem hu hamelech, as we say in Hebrew, and we hold no higher king than him. Our tradition teaches us that the month before Rosh Hashanah and on the New Year day especially, our king of kings, the Lord, figuratively leaves his palace and becomes like a king in the field. In Hebrew, we call this Hamelech Besadeh. Hamelech means the king, 
And Besadeh means in the field, in the month before Rosh Hashanah. And on the day of Rosh Hashanah, the first day of the new year, Hamelech Besadeh, the king is in the field. But what does this exactly mean? How hard would it be to see a king in his palace? Let's think about this. Imagine we live during the times when royalty ruled our country. How would we be able to ask the king for help? The first step might be uh, sending maybe a delegation to the palace with a present. Next, you would need to make a trip to get to his palace. When you arrive at the palace, you would probably first meet with a secretary or a minister. You would probably have to get them a present too. You might have to repeat this process several times till you could even think about meeting with the king. And then if you please the court officials, only then would they let you go to court. At court, there would be protocols as to when and how a petition could be presented. Can you think of doing all those steps every time you needed help? And now instead of doing all those steps to talk to the king, imagine that the king came to your town. Imagine that he's traveling in your countryside. He's between cities and takes a break by the side of the road in a field. He sees a peasant approaching him. The king's guard looks over the peasant and turns to the king. The only thing standing between that peasant and his king is whether or not the king nods to the guard to let the peasant through. Well, imagine that this was us, us and God. In the month leading up to Rosh Hashanah, God is like this king in the field. We crown him as our king, and he is so accessible to us. How great is his glory that we can reach him in the figurative field right behind our house instead of all those steps needed to see him at his palace. He wants us to work on ourselves so much that he makes the job easier by making himself more accessible to us. All we have to do is go out into the field, go out into prayer, Go out with a heart that's searching for him, awakened by the shofar. Now, this isn't to say that during the rest of the year we cannot reach out to God. Of course we can. But it's during this time of intense introspection and reflection in anticipation for Rosh Hashanah that the tekiah reminds us how much easier it is for us to talk to him during this period when we're searching. So we have just joyfully heralded the Lord as our king. And after we recognize him as such through the first blast of the shofar, we need to take ourselves to the next level, which leads us to the second type of blast. This sound is called shvarim, which means broken. And the sound is indeed a broken sound made up of three blasts. It's not straight and royal like the first. It's meant to sound like someone weeping. Let's listen to the sound of Shvarim. I remember being a first-time mother to my oldest daughter, Mayora. Every time she would cry, I would come, no matter how tired I was or how late the hour was. And being a new mother, I often ran to her. 
But then began the real test of motherhood. Was her diaper wet? No. Did she want to eat? No. Did she need a burp? No. Was she sick? No. There I was running down the list in my head of possible reasons that my sweet baby Mayora could be crying. In the beginning, it sometimes took me longer than I care to admit to figure out what she needed. But as a mother, I provided to her the things that she needed to grow up into the healthy and strong young woman that she is today. We started off joyously proclaiming the Lord as our king, and now here we are crying out to the Lord just like my daughter cried out to me. Talk about emotional whiplash, jumping from joy to crying the next second. But this is the truth. This is part of life. Both emotions are part of preparing for the new year. Just as we read in Psalms, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. But how can we do both? How can we both tremble and celebrate at the same time? The truth is that we can't truly cry out to a Lord that we don't happily recognize as our God and as our King of Kings. Children ask for things from people taking care of them because they know that their caretakers will fulfill their needs. They don't just go to a stranger crying out for help. This trembling and crying couldn't have happened without us first recognizing he who is above us, who takes care of us, who loves us, Avinu Shebashamayim, our Father in heaven. Our tradition also teaches us that our crying isn't meant to make us sad. It's actually meant to draw us closer to God by recognizing that he is the one who is there to help us. It is he who has come down to the fields, extending his hand to us and helping us fulfill our needs. It's kind of like when my mom from America comes to visit me. When I see her get off that airplane after not seeing her sometimes for months, oh, I break down crying. She came to visit me. She came to help me. She came to see me. And it's just like my daughter when she was a baby who cried for me to provide for her with the things that she needed. This is the same thing. Like my daughter cries out for me. Like I cry out for my mom. All of us are crying out to God to give us what we need to fix our broken parts. Because with God's help, nothing is irrevocably broken. This is the time to ask ourselves what we need God to help us with. Sometimes during the year, we don't look at those things. We don't ask those questions. We do the best with what we have. Now is the time for introspection which means, yes, I'm doing the best with what I have, but what could I ask God for to help me do things better, to feel more complete, to feel more full? These questions require us to look at our actions of the past year. When I hear the cry of the shofar, I ask myself, did I do my part this past year? Have I helped as many people as I could have? How can I go forth in this coming year and do better in the world, do better in my life, do better for my family, do better for everything that I care about? And then I turn my heart up to God and I ask him for the help to do even more. 
I can only ask this of him because I've recognized that he's above me and that I can't do it alone and that I need his help to fix parts of myself. Whether it's having more patience, having less anger, being kinder, talking nicely, calling family members, or reaching a hand out to the elderly that we try to close our eyes to, all of these are things that God can help us with. So with the first two types of the shofar blast, we have Number one, heralded God as our king. Number two, cried out for him to help us. And now we're on to number three. Now we will take the last step in the lessons that the shofar is teaching us with the last type of blast, the rapid fire sound of the teruah. Let us listen to the teruah blast of the shofar before we dive into its meaning. The nine forceful blasts of what is sometimes called God's alarm clock would certainly wake up even the most deeply asleep. And that's the exact point of this shofar blast, the teruah. We declared God as our king, then we asked for his help, and now we must wake up from the slumber that we have been in and make the most of the time and help that we are given. In the Song of Songs we read, I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. How beautiful is Shir Hashirim, the song of songs. This is a great description of how we need to be woken up by the shofar. In the morning, our alarm clock is going off, but our pillow is still so soft and our blanket so comfortable, it's natural to want to snuggle in and not get up. We might say to ourselves, just 15 more minutes. But no, every moment we have is precious. We can't waste even those 15 minutes. God has woken us up. He is here to help us. And we must overcome that desire to stay in bed, to stay in our ways, to stay in what's comfortable. Instead, we must face the day and our year with the determination to put into action the steps that we need to fulfill our purpose and to make ourselves the most perfect versions of ourselves every year getting a little better, a little deeper, a little closer to God. We take it step by step. But if we're not taking that step to wake up, we're staying asleep. God is our beloved in the Song of Songs, and he is knocking on our door to wake us up. We must run to open that door. In Psalms eighty nine sixteen, we read, which means happy are the people that know the sound of the true-ah. Happy are the people that know the sound of the true-ah. Remember, true-ah is the sound that we're talking about now, that alarm clock sound that the shofar makes. Not everyone is happy to be woken up, but surely we are happy to know our purpose and to be determined to work towards it. 
Those who let themselves hear the sound of God's alarm clock will awaken to a more God-centered life. It may be more demanding than sleeping through our days, but ultimately it leads to a more meaningful and richer life, which brings us and others joy through our service to God. I think about it like this. When I'm driving in my car, I have a decision. I can listen to a Bible class or I can listen to the radio. Which one is the choice that someone who's been woken up by the alarm clock, by the true ah, which choice is the one that that person will make? The blasts of the shofar have reminded us for generations exactly at this time now around the high holidays that God is our king. Hashem Hu HaMelech. He will help us if we ask him for help. And now it is up to us to do what we can do with that help and use this year to awaken our hearts, to turn it to God, and to serve the Lord to achieve our purpose. In the Bible, when the Israelites are preparing themselves to receive the Torah from God in Exodus 19.16, we read these words. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud shofar blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it with fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently as the sound of the shofar grew louder and louder. Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. Our relationship with God is the most important relationship in our lives. In this verse, we see a compacted example of the key lessons we need to learn from the shofar in maintaining, repairing, and flourishing from this relationship. The Israelites were waiting for God because they recognized him as their king of kings. They trembled and were led out to him just as if they were crying out and going to him for help. And the shofar blast grew louder and louder, making sure that they were fully awake to the meaning of what was about to happen, a revelation. They were about to receive the Bible, change history. They were about to know their true purpose and how to attain it right there on Mount Sinai. This week, let us consider the lessons of the shofar and how we might apply those lessons to our own lives. Take time to reflect on where you are right now. What do you need God's help with? Remember that the shofar reminds us that he is accessible for us to ask him for help. He is there listening to us, waiting for us to call out. So, Cry out to him and ask God for that help even in little ways every single day. A small thing like asking his help to be kinder to someone, to judge another more favorably, to turn the other cheek. All these little steps of asking God to help builds not only yourself, but your relationship with him. 
wake up to the good in your life. The shofar reminds us that all we have is a gift from our king. Take some time to jot down all of your blessings, a gratitude journal for which you are grateful, and ask yourselves, what do you need to improve upon for the upcoming year? Because remember, it's only after you ask yourself that, that you could go to God asking for the strength and wisdom. And you know what? Our king is always close and ready to help. Let us all reaffirm our allegiance to God as the king, the melech over our lives, and let that commitment dictate the choices we make and the goals that we set for the year. Shavuot tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.